Welcome back to a podcast whose name is currently in limbo. I am Andrew. And I am Hannah. What are you drinking, Hannah? Um, Iced decaf coffee. Very nice. I've got flat club soda with a little bit of lemon in it. Sounds appetizing. Cheers. Cheers. Well, after the last episode and our name Snafu, I'm leaning towards pause it for me. Uh, yeah, I th- I think I could maybe get on board with that because it, it makes the most sense so far. Yeah, we kind of discussed off mic that it has a bit of a double meaning because pause it means like to put forth an idea as as though it were the correct one, yeah. so to speak. That's my understanding of it anyway. It seems clever-ish. Clever-ish. Maybe we should just <laughs> call the know. podcast clever-ish. Yeah, that, that's good. Well, anyway... We just got done, true to our word, watching Enemy, directed by Denis Villeneuve, or as someone I know calls him, Villa Villa Nu Nu. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this is a movie that I had seen already, and you hadn't. No. We literally, we finished watching it, the credits rolled, and I said, do you want to record an episode right now? And you said, sure. So we haven't exchanged any opinions about it. I have no idea what you thought. I know that you went in expecting not to like it. You told me that right as we were starting it. Well, I knew nothing about it. And I have so many questions and I definitely want to talk about it. So that's part of why I was like, yes, let's do a podcast. Because I want all this to be on mic. (laughs) All my confusion for this film. Right. Okay. So my second time watching it. Your first time. So lay it on me. What did you think? Okay, I liked it, but I'm super confused. <laughs> when the credits like popped up, like Jake Gyllenhaal, I was like, that's huh? the end? <laughs> huh? I guess it's sort of cyclical. I feel like we saw the end. I don't even know. We saw the end at the very beginning or something. Go on. But like, there was a spider. What? Mm. Um, you know, spiders. Well, that that was sort of Calling a red, that was sort of a running theme of the movie, but yeah. I don't I don't understand why. So at the beginning, we saw him go into like sort of a secretive club room thing, mm-hmm. and there was women doing things, and they she stepped on a spider or something. Yeah. and the doorman from the building was there. That. I assumed as much because he said, can you get me in again? I can't stop thinking about yeah, last time. You do see his face in that scene. Well, I I wouldn't be able to place him because I saw him earlier in the film. Right. I don't know. I was just for the record. He is there. Well, fair enough. And you see sort of a flashback of like the one guy's wife in bed. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I'm so confused. So... <laughs> Okay, so the copyright of this film is 2013, but it clearly looks like it was shot in the early aughts or like it takes place in the early aughts because he had like a, phone. yeah, he had a yeah. Nokia and everything and he used like a payphone and stuff and like mm-hmm. who would do that now? Yeah. Um, I know it was based on a novel, so maybe the novel was, you know, set in that time specifically because other than that, I'm not sure what the reason would be. Was the novel Spanish because it was a Spanish co-production? I don't know. That I didn't look into. Is I'm not one who Denis, educates myself before podcast Spanish? taping, let me tell you. Uh, no, I think he's French, but do not quote me on that. Is he French-Canadian? or <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Hence, no research. Okay. 
I did like how it was shot because having lived in Toronto, I know that it's not the most cinematic of settings. I mean, obviously they shoot a lot of films there, but if they, you put an you know a wide aspect ratio on it, it can look cinematic. And, and, they, but... and they tint it yellow. Yeah. Stuff. So I like the color grading personally. Yeah. So obviously they shoot a lot in Toronto, but they always like set dress it or make it look like it's some other city. Yeah. They don't show the dingy parts of going on the 401 or the Don Valley Parkway or like going to Scarborough and stuff. So I thought that was interesting. They so showed like more of a dingier part of the city. It did feel like Toronto. Yeah. Like less glamorous kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like not like Scott Pilgrim is like a different side of Toronto. This is more like the day to day side of Toronto. That yeah, Scott Pilgrim is more like hipster artsy yeah. angle, like going to Goodwill and stuff like that. But yeah, mm-hmm. this this seems more like oh, I'm a college professor that lives in Toronto and I li- live in like a lame apartment kind of thing. Was it Scarborough? Did you say that halfway through? Yeah, it said like um. On his website thing that is like the Scarborough branch. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy, the actor, lived in Anthony, um, uh, Mississauga. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a big distance to be commuting back and forth. Mm-hmm. Because Scarborough is like north GTA and then Mississauga is like south GTA. <laughs> it's like a long commute back and forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. Confusion, confusion. <laughs> so much confusion. It, I, my theory at first was it was one guy. Right. Cause I remember halfway through the scene where they, spoilers, the scene where they meet for the first time. Should we, should we talk about what, no, you know what? Look it up on your own if you want to know what the movie is about. Let, okay. Let's you have the capabilities. Go to IMDb. I, I didn't know anything about it purposely and I'm glad that I didn't right. because I feel like that would have maybe ruined some of my fun with it. Yeah, I asked you if you wanted to go in mostly cold or completely cold, and you were like, completely cold. When I have the chance to, I prefer to go into movies completely cold, because then I don't have any expectations, really, as to what my experience is going to be. Right. Um, so, what I was saying was, halfway through, when it's the scene where they meet each other for the first time, you kind of said under your breath, well, my theory's debunked. <laughs> because up until that point, we had just heard them talking on the phone to each other but i'm like oh maybe he's talking to himself or some so like one of those kind of movies where it's like it's revealed that he's just been talking to himself the whole time like like the shining yeah or uh spoiler alert uh fight club right or it's like uh brad pitt and you gotta say what movie you're spoiling first before you say spoiler (laughs) alert okay well anyone who hasn't seen fight club at this point it's like 30 years later (laughs) whatever we're not we won't go into that we're not pulling a rosie o'donnell i don't know what you mean by that (laughs) the day like the day after fight club premiered she went on a talk show and she was like i didn't like it uh don't go see it i'm gonna spoil the ending for everybody who's watching really yeah wow that's a jerk move. That's like with everyone in the sixth sense now that they reveal the ending. I'm not going to reveal it now because either you've seen it or you've heard the spoilers. I, I haven't seen it. I, I but still I have think, heard it. I still think it's worth seeing it. Right. But anyways, so I thought it was maybe like that where, I don't know, maybe he was talking to himself. Because when the wife goes to see him at school, he like talks to her and then he goes around a pillar Mm-hmm. And then she, like, calls 
her husband. Right. So we don't actually see them, like, in the same room with other people Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that's what makes it blurry. And it's also blurry because in the beginning... This is so confusing. What is his name? Adam. Adam the Professor. Yeah. Adam Bell. Yeah. Adam the Professor... His mom calls him on the phone and says, your apartment is, like, lame, whatever <laughs> kind of thing. And then... Oh, my mom never says that to me. Well, it was a lame apartment. He didn't even have a bed frame. Yeah. You know, you're an associate professor. You can afford a bed frame. That's all I'm saying. That's speculation. What do you mean? You know how much associate associate professors make off the top of your head? You just know this information? It's. I'm assuming he's making enough of a salary where he could... Spring for $300. Maybe he's funneling all his cash into ill-fitting blazers. You don't know. This is true. (laughs) Well, it's also, maybe he's living a double life and can't afford two different apartments. I don't know. I don't don't understand. See, that's a a fair theory. It's hard for me to understand. Uh, There's so many different things. I'm going to go on so many different tangents here. Yeah, lay it on me. So... Like, their girlfriends look very similar. They both sort of do... Like, similar enough. Yeah, they have, like, the the blonde hair, and, like, they both kind of do, like, updos and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. anyways, back to the, <laughs> the mother. There's just so many, like, thoughts flying in my head right now. Yeah, you want me to add another one to that yes. pool of thoughts? The woman uh, who plays Adam's girlfriend, who you thought looked so familiar, is... Uh, one of the leads from Inglorious Bastards. Okay, that's what I recognize her from. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I know her with like a French accent. Yeah. So that's accurate. Okay. <laughs> right. The mother. Okay, so the mother, mother says, you got a lame apartment. And then later he like goes to her and he's like, do I got like a brother or something? Like, I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. And she like hands him a big thing of blueberries and he's like i don't like blueberries and she's like of course you do and like she's like you got like a lot going for you you got like a nice apartment and stuff i'm like lady you just said earlier in the film that you didn't like his apartments did did she say that he had a nice apartment yeah in the second scene Mm -hmm. i do not remember that yeah and then and then of course she says like and then you got like a third-rate acting career and he's like like, so confused. Um, right. Like, I'm confused. First of all, I had no idea where this movie was going. Well, that's a good thing. And it was just, thing. like, a boring college professor, like, just bopping around, doing his thing. And then <laughs> Doesn't he, like, know which way is up. And then he just, like, puts in a movie. And then, like, he watches the movie. And it's like, okay, it's like, where is this movie going? I have no idea uh, well, what's happening. Yeah, when that scene happened, as soon as Jake Gyllenhaal in the bellhop costume appeared on screen, you, like, turned to me and you were like... And you lost me. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, this is not what I expected. Because it's like, he sees himself as a bellhop. And he's like, clearly never watched this movie before. Doesn't know what it means. And I'm like, okay, this is not what I thought was happening. Mm-hmm. So, Well, yeah. that's good. That means it's not predictable. Yeah. Up to that point, I was like, confused it seemed like his girlfriend would come by every night and then get like mad and then like stomp away or something Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean he obviously had sort of a boring life so this was like kind of invigorating yeah Yeah. it was like something to live for almost Mm -hmm. because i'm like man this guy is depressing (laughs) to watch yeah 
He's like, he just needs a cheery film. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, I could yeah. so relate to that. Mm-hmm. I'm in the mood for something cheery. Yeah, you said, like, this is like me in high school. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I thought it was an interesting turn halfway through when, you know, Adam was really gung-ho to meet uh, Anthony. And then as soon as they meet, he feels, like, threatened. He feels like all of a sudden I'm no longer in control of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And he's he wants to get out. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that is, like, the exact midpoint of the film. If, if so, that's pretty cool. If not, eh, whatever. I, it seems like it somewhat is because it's you got, like, the establishing of character. You got, like, the inciting incident of the bellhop thing. And then it's like, okay, like, how are we going to get to the rising action of what's going on? And then that seems kind of like um, them meeting is, like, when the sparks fly. And then, mm-hmm. like, all the crazy stuff happens after that. And then it kind of, like... Yeah. goes down what so. point what point in this movie would you say you were hooked the bellhop scene really that's the scene because when, when you were like you lost me i thought you meant like you're out like no lost you're not me interested as, anymore lost me as i am super confused but i am intrigued mm, okay kind of thing i totally misread that situation but i'm glad yeah because okay, up to that point i'm like this is kind of boring like i don't understand what this film was about at all and then i was like oh there's like some kind of evil twin or body devil or something well sorry go on that i was like oh okay like the title makes sense Uh, what was my predictions last time you thought that he was gonna get like framed for something and he was gonna have to like clear his innocence or something well, that, that's a little more enemy-esque, but, like... I think the title is just a reference to, like, if you found somebody who looked and sounded exactly like you, would that person be your friend or would that person be your enemy? That's interesting. Well, the book title is called The Double. Right. Well, it was interesting because they met and he was, like, super excited. And then he's, like, um, Anthony was, like we must be brothers he's like no we're not brothers <laughs> and he's like you got a scar and then he's like totally freaked out because he has the scar and then he's like i don't are we the like that is obviously so confusing to me i'm like are they like clones like huh like what's going on like i have no idea yeah <laughs> are they the same person it seems like they might be the same person or they don't realize that they're switching each other's identities back and forth because the wife was like how was school but like, I'm confused. Okay, so that, I definitely interpreted that as, um, oh my gosh, what are the female characters' names? I can't even remember. Anyway, um, that I definitely interpreted as the pregnant wife knows that it's Adam and not Anthony. And it's just like going along with it. It's just okay with it. That's what I thought, but it was confusing because in the morning it seemed like she thought it was her husband. Mm, But then she turned into a spider. She did turn into a spider. This is true. It was confusing because he was there and he was obviously trying to like pay back Anthony because Anthony took his girlfriend away. Mm -hmm. But he was kind of like nervous and stuff. And she probably like picked up that he like didn't seem like the same person yeah kind of thing of course um but then he was crying and then i she mumbled something she said i want you to stay yeah so to me that 
that indicated that she knew that it was the other man, yeah. but she was like cool with it for him staying. But then in the morning, it made it seem like she thought it was her husband. I don't know. Maybe she so was confusing. just continuing to go along with it. You know, there's obviously going to be some kind of new dynamic. Like if he's staying, he's not going to just like stay in that apartment and be Adam Bell. He's going to have to assume this guy's identity, presumably. Well, it seems like Adam. No, wait. It seems like Anthony has the better appearance of a life. Right. Like, nicer suits, nicer apartment kind of thing. Well, and, like, Adam and the pregnant wife, I s- swear at some point I'm going to remember her name, seemed more suited to each other. Because he's like, you're six months pregnant. Like, do you need anything? You know, I just thought because you've been walking around. And she's like, obviously, Anthony never asked her anything like that. No, and she's no, like, no, where's no. my organic blueberries? Yeah, and it's like she's distraught and she's, like, super pregnant, like, yeah yeah i don't yeah that's tough because the other girlfriend was like kind of mean to, well i don't know like she it would just, just didn't seem like a perfect fit it, at the would, very least they, would, they were like kind of bored around each other and then she would just kind of like leave at the end of the night and like i don't know it right. didn't it didn't seem like they were they were together more for like convenience or something. Right. I mean, obviously he would rather like sit in the living room and watch a presumably two hour movie on his laptop than go to bed. and <laughs> Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to go to bed. And he's like, I'm going to stay up to finish my papers, which is like, you know, it's understandable. You maybe want to get your work done before bed. But then after that, he's like, now I'm going to start a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, a lot to chew on on this movie. I watched this with my brother. He likes movies where there's a lot to chew on and that things are left open to interpretation. Uh, so he liked it. Speaking of which, how do you interpret all the spider imagery and themes? I don't even know where to begin to start. I will say I feel like Adam being a history professor and doing lectures on like totalitarianism and like um like dictatorship that that must relate to hmm. like the the themes of the movie mm-hmm. um cuz i i feel like i i was trying to ingest that information but there was so much going on cuz normally adam would be like doing a lecture and then like another scene would be playing over top of it so there's a lot to interpret but mm-hmm. i feel like he was saying that like the only way that totalitarianism works is if you slowly assimilate people so it's like their regular everyday of life. Right. So that's what I'm assuming. It's like him assimilating Anthony's life mm-hmm. until it just becomes his life kind of thing. And so the spiders? The spiders, like, I'm clueless. I have no idea what they mean. I'll be honest. Pretty much I am too. The only thing that I kind of picked up on was that you know, when the pregnant wife turned into the spider at the very end, it kind of seemed to be like recoiling in fear. So maybe it's some kind of like master of his domain kind of thing is like he feels like he's in control of the spider instead of being overwhelmed by the spider. Like when the spider was crawling across the skyline, maybe that's a completely wrong interpretation. I really have no idea. Perhaps like normally when I see like imagery of something in a film i'm like okay what does that imagery represent yeah but to me like spiders what does that mean 
Well, <laughs> I, I was pretty clueless on that the first time I watched it. So then going in the second time, I was like, all right, I'm going to be watching out for all the spider stuff. I'm going to be, I'm going to figure out what it means. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, I still don't know what it means. Yeah. That's one of those things that I'm like, I have to hear some other person's <laughs> opinion about it for me like, to fully understand. Like my brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It is great to be able to chew on a lot of different stuff in this movie. Like some movies, it's just like, oh, yeah, that was great. And mm-hmm. there's not a lot yeah. to say. So for this, it's like part of the enjoyment of watching this kind of film is going along for the ride of it as a viewer and being like, oh, that's the movie. OK, let's talk about it. Like, what does it mean to you kind of thing? So that's that's fun. Yeah, I really liked the style of it. It felt like vaguely Hitchcockian. I would agree with that. I don't know what about it. Maybe just um, like an element of suspense. Mm -hmm. Not knowing where something is going. Kind of having the audience turn kind of thing. Like in like a magic trick or I don't know. Kind of like, oh, here's the big element. And it's going to be like a bombshell to the audience kind of thing. Like in Mm -hmm. Psycho or something. Yeah. It it had Psycho vibes. It also reminded me of uh, the movie The Machinist, which I know was at least in editing made out to be kind of like a Hitchcock tribute. Um, So I feel like there's there's similar family genes throughout Mm -hmm. uh, all these movies. But like I, I, I like the that, color yeah. grading and mm-hmm. and I thought the direction was good. So this Definitely. is your first this is your first Denis Villeneuve movie. What it did is. you think about about the direction and style? Good. I mean, from what I know about his work, he's stylistic, and I love stylistic directors. Yeah. So I'm all about that. And I I found it really interesting. We kind of mentioned before that Toronto's not that glamorous and I thought he portrayed it in like a really interesting cinematic dingy look because that seems more like what it actually is. It fits the tone of the film like Adam's living like a monotonous life. Let's show the aspects of the city that are like not that glamorous that are like dull and like let's have a color palette that's kind of like bland or like Mm-hmm. not colorful like nothing in the film is bright and cheery it's all kind of like yeah stained like yellow like uh history kind of like mm, yeah yeah like an old book yes exactly yeah what's interesting is like just thinking back to the scene where you were like you lost me um with you going in expecting not to like it and then that scene i was sitting there thinking that you next to me were not enjoying it and I don't know if you ever like showed somebody like a YouTube video that you think is really funny no, and you're waiting for them to laugh and you look over at them and they're like stone faced and they're clearly not enjoying it. And then you look back at the video and all of a sudden you're seeing all the flaws of the video and you're realizing how unfunny it is. That's kind of how the beginning of this movie went for me oh, no. is once I realized well, once I thought that you weren't enjoying it, I started looking at the movie like, ah, this is kind of a, like a crappy movie, you know, it's like predictable and like the style is like, you know, kind of. wouldn't say it's predictable. <laughs> but then, yeah, like once we hit a certain a certain point, maybe a third of the way through, I was like, no, nah, it, is, it is good. What am I talking about? It is good. Yeah, I guess You Lost Me was confusing. It was more like, I no longer understand where this film is going. Right. But that's kind of an enjoyable experience because sometimes predictability, once you've seen so many films, is a little boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
thoughts on the acting across the board? Jake Gyllenhaal was good. I think he gave sort of a dual performance. It was like different enough. Like obviously Anthony was scarier, more rough around the edges, a little more of the evil twin vibes, whereas Adam was a little more subdued, every man right monotonous kind of thing it seemed to me like they they even had different walks between the two characters that wouldn't surprise me i I mean i don't know if i picked up on that necessarily the the way they carried themselves was definitely different yeah for sure that must have been like a fun thing i imagine for jake gyllenhaal as an actor to like play two different roles in the same scene in the same movie same script and like act them so differently Mm -hmm. i would imagine that would be really difficult to like pretend you're talking to yourself but you're actually talking to like a double that's dressed like you were in a scene that you were doing earlier that's kind of a really trippy man yeah do you think playing two role two lead roles in the same movie warrants two oscars because it's two different characters and two different performances or do you think it's like you know actually it would be kind of hilarious if jake joan hall was nominated for an oscar just for anthony and not for adam yeah <laughs> But, like, usually in the credits, it's, like, slash so-and-so. So, so right. it, it credits them for both One credit at the same time. Yeah. Okay, but that, that, that makes sense. That would be pretty f- funny if it was, like, you get an Oscar for this one performance you gave, but not for this other performance you gave. <laughs> anyway, so back to the acting. I thought that, yeah, I thought everybody was great. It was a pretty small cast. It wouldn't surprise me if the budget for this movie was small. Because I don't think there were any like crazy effects other than the car crash at the end it seemed indie to me honestly right i don't because the denise villeneuve movies that i've seen i've seen enemy and arrival and blade runner and i i don't know how many movies he did before enemy if he was still kind of an up-and-comer or if he established himself enough to get a budget at that point Mm -hmm. but obviously he had some pretty big name actors in it so Mm -hmm. enemy seemed more like a tiff type film yeah like like highbrow indie filmmaking kind of thing. Like it's got like a moderate budget, but still less than like the big studios, that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Well, speaking of TIFF, I wonder why they chose to set it in Toronto so obviously. Cause I don't know. I feel like any other movie would just be like, it's uh, set in a city in America. But this was like very, very clearly Toronto. Like they even had shots of the of the area code and the phone number that he called and yeah. like you know, city names everywhere and the skyline, but like I'm pretty sure Denis Villeneuve is not Canadian, so and neither is Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, it's interesting because I know they got like Canadian tax credits, obviously, but a lot of films will shoot in Toronto but say it's like New York or something and still get the credits. Yeah. So, I mean, I appreciated that it took place in Toronto. It was like, oh, realism. Like, <laughs> I've yeah, been to it did, Toronto. It felt That's real, cool. yeah. And my only guess is that the novel took place in Toronto, which if Maybe, so, I don't you know, know, congrats for sticking to that. But if not, I wonder why. I feel like most books even, they'd be like, oh, it takes place in this city. Yeah. Like the Princess Diaries very, very clearly takes place in New York City. And they're like, Hmm. For the movie, San Francisco. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Either way, it was nice to get some Canadian representation. And now we just need some other Ontario-based films. Well, we got to make them, I guess. With big name actors, yeah. Yeah. 
get Tom Cruise in Ottawa. <laughs> I mean, he lived here for a year or two. There you go. Get him back. <laughs> Let's get Jake Gyllenhaal on the horn again. <laughs> Tom Cruise, Jake Gyllenhaal, Dan Aykroyd crossover. Movie of a lifetime. That sounds awesome. Moving on. <laughs> Throw Bill Murray in there, one day cameo, walk on wall. Yeah. Okay, so final thoughts. Um, me watching it the second time, I, I started it, like I said, kind of starting to see the flaws and the cracks and, and thinking maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. Um, and I ended pretty much liking it as much as I did the first time, maybe a little bit more. What about you? I enjoyed it. The beginning was kind of boring, but I guess that was just build up to sort of the big moment mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, overall, enjoyable confused at how they decided to end it just kind of like anthony presumably died in a car crash adam i guess is taking over his life yeah and he's like all right i'm gonna go to this back room where ladies crush spiders (laughs) and that's the end it definitely left a lot of unanswered questions but a lot of people dig that kind of thing yeah that's fine i'm okay so what's your opinion are Adam and Anthony, the same person, do they trade back their lives without realizing it? Like, what's what's your take on that? I tend to see movies for, like, what they are visually. I'm not one who, like, reads a ton into stuff, which is why a lot of things end up having to be explained to me. But I pretty much took it at face value in that they're two different people, you know, and there wasn't anything really psychological going on. Um, maybe if I had started the movie looking for signs that it was more psychological and and less physical, I would have been able to pick up on that more. But again, like I said, even my second time going through, I was focusing more on the spiders and just taking it at face value. So I did think they were two people. But it was confusing because there seemed to be things that indicate that they knew each other or, or like they were going back and forth or something Hmm. well maybe we'll look online to see some fan theories in the meantime that that's kind of my theory is at one point i'm like is he waking up at one place and then like kind of like having amnesia and like going back to the next place Mm, there were some kind of dream scenes Yeah. yeah i'm like is that what that means is like sometimes when Adam's girlfriend is like mad at him in bed or something. Is that like the other guy or something? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Well, also like, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the scene with Adam and Anthony's wife, he's wearing a wedding ring. Mm, are you sure? Yes. Okay, go on. Because I seem to remember there was a shot of his hand that showed very clearly no wedding ring. There, there was a shot where Anthony purposely took his wedding ring off before mm-hmm. going off yep. with Adam's girlfriend. Yep. Because he was pretending to be him. Mm-hmm. And then she suddenly just picks up in in bed that he has like wedding ring indents on his finger. I'm like, how would you even notice that? Well, maybe she know. was kissing his hand or something. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But going back to your original point about Adam, you're saying there was a scene where Adam had the wedding ring on? That's my understanding of it. I saw it. I'm like, 
he's wearing a wedding ring. But maybe I'm like, maybe I misread the the scene and I need to go back or something. But I'm like, okay, so the other guy had wedding ring marks, but he's wearing the wedding ring. I don't know. Maybe I like got confused at my interpretation of it. But that that that's maybe. how I read it. I don't know. Well, how do you explain the car crash then? I think there is two people, but they're bouncing back and forth in each other's lives. Oh, like all like already, even before Yeah, but they do not it officially. Not realizing it somehow. Hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Well, we can look up some fan theories and I'm actually since it's based on a book, I'm interested to see if there's an audiobook of that book. Yeah, that's a good idea. But they both have scars. Oh, it's so confusing. <laughs> yeah. What would you rate it out of ten or out of five? <laughs> I don't I don't know. If I can say that yet, like I, it's just like it's confusing, but just confusing equal good movie. Hmm. Okay, what would you rate it out of a thousand? Um, eight hundred seventy-four. I don't know. <laughs> um, I overall why not eight hundred seventy-five? Overall, <laughs> I don't know. I was picking a random number. <laughs> overall, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Didn't love everything about it. Had a lot to chew on, which made it enjoyable, but also does, like, leaving me hanging equal, like, good movie? Like, I mean, I don't, for some people it does. I don't know. Like, the spiders mean nothing to me. Right. But, like, maybe if I read up on it or read the book, it would make more sense. I don't know. I'm going to say it's a solid four out of five, yeah. eight out of ten. Yeah. I would give it the same rating. You can check out Letterboxes uh, for some text-based reviews, which we'll probably have posted by the time you listen to this. Mm-hmm. I am, in fact, on Letterbox at Winesti. I didn't think that I was, but I checked. That's I too bad. <laughs> I'd rather it be my name. Uh, maybe you can change it. And you are? I am almost certain that I'm at Hannah Brannon. Okay. So... We're actually going to take a little break, and when we come back, we may have researched some fan theories, maybe not, but I think in between this recording and the next recording, we're going to watch Arrival, and we'll come back after a little break. For you, it'll be a few minutes. For us, it'll probably be a few days, and we'll tell you what we think. Sounds great. (laughs) I don't know if I'll like Arrival. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't usually like sci-fi movies, so we'll see. All right. See you then. We now return to Denis Chat Part 2. It's been a few days since we last recorded. For the listeners, it's been a few seconds. We just finished watching Arrival, but going back to um, Enemy real quick, we did say we might look up some fan theories. I don't have any fan theories necessarily to present to you, but after reading through it a little bit, I'm more on the team of thinking that it's one guy because Jake Gyllenhaal, I believe said that he feels like it's about one guy see that was my headcanon for like parts of it but i kept on deciding that no they are two people i feel like there's evidence for both like some of the ways that people react to the situation and the fact that they're never they're never in the same place at the same time with another person present yeah that's the only thing i would say but then much of it still makes me just want to take it at face value and think that it's two people um but i did read that i think the director denis villeneuve made everybody sign confidentiality agreements to not discuss what the meaning of the spiders was 
which okay. I still really have no clue. Well, there's also spiders in Arrival. Well, spider-like beings, sure. Maybe that's kind of like um, like a theme of his, right. or like a calling card. Well, you'll have to see Blade Runner 2049 to see if there's any continued use of that. So speaking of Arrival, we literally just finished it. You insisted on watching the credits while I set up for the podcast. Yeah, because I wanted to see where they filmed it because I thought it was such a beautiful scenic location. I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I bet this is Canada. I wonder if it's like British Columbia or something. Right. And it ended up being Quebec because there was parts of the movie I was like, Montana is beautiful. (laughs) You did say that. It's not even Montana. It's Quebec. And I I should have known like Canada is just so pretty compared to the States. For sure. (laughs) Shots yeah. fired at the States. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, I had seen Arrival already. I saw it when it came out. I saw it in the theater. Better experience in the theater than in a living room. It, it was so like loud. I mean, I had it turned up loud, but we kind of needed it to be loud. But the music and sound effects were so droning that I, I felt like the sound was going to annoy my neighbors. And so I was annoyed that it was going to be annoying. So I was like, this movie's loud. It does seem like one of those 2001 Space Odyssey things that if you see it in a theater, it's like a, a huge, a different experience. A huge yeah. cinematic experience with the thumping and stuff. But at home, it's just it was a it, bit yeah. it was a bit much to to handle in, in the living room. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it a lot when I first saw it. I think I already seen Enemy at that point because I recognize that you remember the shot partway through where she's talking about dreaming about the septopods and she turns and she sees one in the corner all of a sudden. Yeah, that's very similar to Enemy, the end of Enemy. Exactly, yeah. When I first saw it in the theater, Arrival, that stuck right out to me. I was like, can tell it's the same director, for sure. It, it. I swear, like, maybe he dreams of spiders or something. Like, there has to be something there, like some kind of trademark of his. I don't know why. Right. So I liked it my first time seeing it. Um, I was a decent Amy Adams fan. I I liked her. I didn't love her. After this movie, I gained a lot more respect for her. Um, I hated Jeremy Renner before seeing this movie. After this movie, I like him enough. He's not one of my top picks. He's no Tom Hanks, but mm-hmm. he certainly is a Jan- Jeremy Renner. Here, here was my thoughts inner thoughts as we are watching this mm-hmm. jeremy renner shows up i'm like Ugh, jeremy renner <laughs> yeah, is in yeah. it. he's kind of like he, he he's kind of like forrest whitaker thinks, where it's like Ugh. he thinks he's jeff goldblum in jurassic park but he's totally not <laughs> like yeah. seriously anytime jeremy renner was on the screen for the first hour i'm like nah. This is boring. Move on. I don't care. Like up until like the last few minutes, I'm like, you could cut Jeremy Renner's character out and like it would not make a difference. But Mm -hmm. of course, in the end, like you realize he had some importance to the plot. But for the most part, I'm like, he's just kind of there. And Amy Adams is doing her cool girl linguistic thing. And like, (laughs) indeed, I enjoyed her. Jeremy not off. He's like much. a piece of plain toast. Yeah. But not, Jer- not offensive, but not delightful. Jeremy Renner, if you're listening to this, I've always loved you. You're my favorite actor. I can't wait to see you in more movies. Um, um but anyway. So- I think you need to impress me, Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I haven't seen you shine. <laughs> so I I liked it. 
overall thoughts from you. I You haven't really told me what you thought yet. We literally just finished it, sat down, hit record. What did you think? Okay, I liked the linguistic elements to it because I find <laughs> linguistics more exciting than making contact with aliens, per sure. se. Um, you can definitely see the DNA of 2001 Space Odyssey and mm-hmm. to some extent... Um, close encounters with the third kind. Yep. Is it the third kind? Mm-hmm. What does third mean? Uh, it's the second kind. You know what? I encourage all the <laughs> listeners to go and look it up because I looked it up once and I can't remember what it is. Yeah. But go ahead and look it up because it's a it's, thing. It's, it's a bit similar to that where it's there's some people that can understand the aliens and they try to make like friendly communication with them and you know the aliens mean no harm. Yeah, it, it's kind of that vibe, which I feel better about. I am less into destructive forces like that's just stressed me out. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, that's not what I want to see. But the beginning of the movie reminded me of early on in the pandemic. Like mm. this was shot in like 2016 yeah. or something like that. And it felt very much like. Oh, first day of lockdown, everyone's freaking out, panicking, yeah. buying, and like yeah. people are like going crazy and don't know what to do. And like we all got to band together to come up with a solution and stuff. So it's kind of like history take, yeah. repeats itself. <laughs> Except with aliens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, any kind of global <laughs> crisis, it's yeah. going to be hard to band together because there's so many opposing ideas. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Gave me a good feeling that we're mostly out of that now. Yeah, I can't imagine watching that at the beginning of the pandemic and be like, we're, no, like, <laughs> that kind of thing. But, I mean, well, it it kind of goes back to how, was it, the hep- hepapods? Heptapods. Heptapods. They're saying kind of like they see time non-linearly. Yeah, I, re- I thought yeah. that idea was very interesting. Yeah. I'd like to see more movies explore that, but this movie did yeah. it very well. I appreciated that because I I like the idea of having a language that kind of is uh, cyclical. Um, Like I just started studying Japanese and the way they do symbols is completely different than English. So I just like the idea of like exploring a language that's completely different than like the Latin origin languages. Yeah, good timing for you to watch this movie having just started learning Japanese. Yeah, because to me, it's the same as like heptopods. Like I'm just looking at like random pictures. I'm like, okay, to me, this means this kind of thing. And trying to learn it backwards, like having no further understanding of that language Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, it's less a movie about aliens and more a movie about like language and time. That's why I enjoyed it, because if it was about going to space, what I like that it was a sci-fi movie where they didn't leave the planet. Yeah. <laughs> if it was about going to space and, like, solitude and stuff, I probably would have been out. I did yeah, like Alien. space, man. Cheapers. I did like years. Alien. That is an exception. But the first one? Yeah. Yeah, because that's kind of it's long drawn out solitude, but they did it extremely well. Yeah, yeah. So this film is more about language and communicating with people that we don't understand, and that's what I liked about it. And I liked that it was cyclical of seeing like the daughter growing up, and we gained understanding of what she was going through towards the end. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind when Amy Adams says to Jeremy Renner, you know, if you knew what was going to happen to you in the future, would you still make the same mistakes kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it did have kind of Eternal Sunshine DNA and that it's not, it's like it's not told non-linearly like Quentin Tarantino style where it's totally random, but it's told in kind of like a cyclical way, sort of. Well, it's sort of more like the theme of the film. So the theme of Eternal Sunshine is they're unaware of their mistakes, but they, they're they just kind of like doomed to repeat themselves, maybe in like a, a lovely way that even if you knew that the love was going to hurt you, like Amy Adams and Jeremy right. Renner, she knew from the beginning that they were going to break up, but she still decided to enjoy it while it lasted kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Joel and... Clementine. Clementine, yes. (laughs) You remember Joel's name and not Clementine? I don't know. (laughs) It's because she calls him Jolie. Does she? I I don't even remember that. And so, like, to to me, that's stuck in my head. But he calls her Clem. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the same sort of theme as that is, you know, even if we know that something is going to affect us, we're still probably going to enjoy it for what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe the aliens the same way. It's like they they know they're going to need help in 3,000 years, but that's not going to stop them from doing what they need to do now. I don't know. Yeah. I thought it was plenty interesting. And I liked, I you know what? I could have even gone in for more of the language teaching stuff. Like when Agreed. They, they seem to skip pretty fast from like Ian walks to use weapon to save us in 3,000 years. I agree. Like to me, this film was about language and like a linguistics teacher like the science of language i would have wanted to see more progression of them speaking Mm -hmm. kind of thing but for what we got it was great see i didn't really know what to expect at first when they were first making contact with them in the beginning i'm like i'm bored i'm so bored like i hate (laughs) i hate this movie (laughs) really yeah until she like got out the whiteboard and she's like i'm human and like took off the hazmat suit and like tried to make a real connection with them like oh okay this is more my vibe it's more of like a human connection thing Mm -hmm. i think with the hazmat suit and uh, people being scared and everything feeling distant i don't really like that because it's it's not a relatable story to me. Like it's, it doesn't have an emotional connection kind of thing. Yeah. So watching it again the second time, I think I mostly liked it equally. I think I, I remembered it pretty similarly. Um, the part where she gets into like the lone pod thing and ends up in like the white space where her hair is all floating. I did not remember that part at all. But other than that, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I don't really know which one I like more enemy versus arrival i think before i rewatched both of them i liked arrival better but now i'm not so sure which and it's interesting because they felt like obviously they felt so similar because it was the same director but they also felt so so different in terms of like what kind of movie they were and what kind of story they were telling because arrival felt so big and enemy felt so small like it seemed like a smaller budget there were way less actors Mm -hmm. involved um you know it took place in itty bitty scarborough you know <laughs> as opposed to like a rival taking place like across the globe and with these huge yeah, set pieces many many actors you know um so that was an interesting comparison the the different feels um obviously the director's capable of doing many different kinds of things which is awesome 
Um, and I look forward to seeing more movies from him. I don't Absolutely. know how soon I'll show you Blade Runner 2049 because that's more like harder sci-fi that you're usually not into. Um, I, I think we should watch it eventually, but I definitely felt like I want to do more of like a throwback kind of thing, like a, a director study or some kind of study on like older cinema, such as Hitchcock, uh, Kubrick, Truffaut, Orson Welles, something like that kind of thing as our next study, kind of seeing like what we can learn from old cinema and apply it to newer cinema. Sure. Yeah. I'd be interested in some Orson Welles stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I was impressed by Blade Runner 2049 simply due to my unimpressedness at the original Blade Runner. I still think the original Blade Runner, after watching it like two or three times, I still think it's terrifically overrated. Um, I don't recommend it. I don't have fun watching it. Uh, just not a fan. It just... And I know that's an unpopular opinion, but... We, we could go on and on about that. I'm sure we'll get more into that when we discuss the sequel. Yeah. But that movie just doesn't make sense. And it's a shame because I thought the stylisticness would be enough to hold my attention, but the stylistic element of it is, I feel like, the only thing going for it. Right. But you could see some of what was going on in Arrival. Like, you could pinpoint some things and be like, I see why they picked this guy to direct Blade Runner. You know, oh, 100%. like the slow moving, you know, yeah. like arcing shots, like moving over these large set pieces and like the dissonant kind of music. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like a, a, a bit of a grandchild of Blade Runner in the in the mm-hmm. modern modern society. I would say it's kind of like a new sci fi thing. Well, that doesn't make any sense, but. A new sci-fi thing. Yes. Like, so you can see all the elements of sci-fi before it, and they sort of modernized it for modern days, kind of what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So with with something like Blade Runner, it makes sense that he would be able to pull something like that off because he's taking all these previous elements that he had used in Arrival and then applying it on a larger scape to Blade Runner, which is set in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, I can even see the DNA of Enemy being applied to Blade Runner, taking yeah. like a cityscape and making it look interesting. Totally. That's a huge draw to the original Blade Runner is ty- kind of taking sort of a, a Tokyo-esque city, neo-noir, and making it really spectacular looking. Right. So I'm excited to see what he does with that. I, I imagine it's going to be quite great, at least cinematically. Well, maybe we'll do another like sort of double feature at some point in the future and we'll watch like one of Denis Villeneuve's other movies plus Blade Runner 2049. But looping back to Arrival, was there anything that you came away from Arrival like still confused about? Like you had any questions about or did you feel like you pretty much got it? Were you confused halfway through or like not at all? Uh, No, I feel like I pretty much got it. Like as soon as I saw the blur of like the guy... They're kind of teasing, oh, who's the husband? It's like, oh, that's Jeremy Renner right away. Because she said, you know, leave the science to your father. It's like, oh, her father is a scientist. Oh, Jeremy Renner is a scientist. So I got that right away. But one of the things was the rock that the heptapods were in. Mm -hmm. I started thinking that it looked like a biscotto and I couldn't (laughs) unsee it. I'm like, that's just a big floating biscotto in the sky. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of took some of the grandioseness out of it. I'm like, I'm just looking at a big biscotto. <laughs> the 12 astral biscotti, of course. Yeah. yeah. But 
Yeah, did like the daughter stuff because like the the daughter the stuff with the daughter like being slowly revealed that it didn't happen before the main events of the story, but it happened after. Like I remember really confusing me the first time I saw it, but like I got it by the end. But then the moment where I was like mind blow was when um when he showed her the phone and was like, "Here's my private number. You called this." She's like, "What?" And then that information is like know remembered in reverse by her in the past and then used to cause that future and i was like yo <laughs> yeah that was really cool that was one of my favorite moments from watching it the first time for oh, definitely. sure i really liked well i feel like they explained it well is she was saying that you know they gave us this language that's their gift yeah. is that it's you know it's cyclical kind of thing and that's how her mind starts to work is uh, non-linearly. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I was able to pick up on that right away. I also thought the language looked kind of like coffee stains. It definitely, yeah. I, I have no doubt in my mind that Denis Villeneuve was like trying to come up with like a way for the language to look, look down at his napkin, like, oh, there it is. Comes maybe, to me so easily. I mean, maybe that's how they did like the first couple things was they actually like stand a surface and then translated it into some kind of medium archetype i mean it's probably how they did all of them wouldn't be surprised maybe um okay so what would you give it out of rating out of 10 rating out of five whatever you want Ooh, i think to, i don't think of what i gave enemy i probably gave arrival like an eight or a nine out of ten last time I think I enjoyed Enemy more mm -hmm. just because I I think I like more human stories. I'm, I don't, I'm not as drawn to grandiose of a scale films. I think I gave Enemy like a nine, nine and a half, something like that. Okay. I'm going to say I did enjoy Rival more than I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, still not my favorite. Uh, I think I would recommend it to people that really like sci-fi that haven't seen it, but it's not something where I'm like, ooh, gotta get me more of that. I think I liked it more just because of what I said, like the grounded elements. So mm -hmm. I think I'm going to give it eight out of 10, four out of five. Yeah. I just looked, I, it looks like I gave it a nine the first time I watched it. I'm not sure I would go that high this time. Maybe my first time watching it just had more of like a, for lack of a better term, a shock factor. Um, yeah. And watching it the second time, mm -hmm. I kind of knew what to expect and I wasn't as surprised. Um, but I might lower it to an eight. But that doesn't mean it was bad. Um, just it didn't uh, didn't wow me as much this time. So maybe, mm -hmm. maybe Arrival and Enemy are on par. I'm not sure. Um, guess we're just going to have to rewatch them both again yeah. just to find out. <laughs> Well, yeah, possible. I guess they're both like, wait, what did I give enemy? I don't even remember. Well, I guess you'll have to check. I, I would assume there's uh, seeing a, like a cool new th film in cinema, there would be like an immediacy bias. So it's like, oh, I saw a cool new film. Oh, that was really great. And then you kind of think of it as better than it is because it was like the last cool, good movie you saw on a grand scale. Yeah. Recency so bias, of course. Yeah. Re yeah, exactly. So yeah. now that you're seeing it in like a different setting, you're like, mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it looks like my first time watching Enemy, I gave it a seven. And my first time watching Arrival, I gave it a nine. I think I'm going to bump 
a rival down to an eight mm-hmm. and an enemy up to an eight. So they're going to be about equal. Because I would say I enjoyed them equally this time. I I just loved Jake Gyllenhaal's, like, cheeky performances. I just love that he did, like, the dual performances. So to me, Enemy is slightly better because while I thought Amy Adams was good, her delivery was kind of, um, like, she was standing in a cool puddle of water kind of thing. <laughs> like, she's she's really breathy and, like, oh, I, I'm, I'm just a little chilly. Kind of, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. She didn't. She didn't really have many scenes that like really showed any like a full like, range of yeah. emotion. Well, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Well, good then. <laughs> All right. So next up, um, we're not going to watch any Denis Villeneuve next. What's on your radar for for the time being? Uh, like, I just finished Roger Daltrey's audiobook, and I'm in the middle of Pete Townsend's audiobook. So it's been on my mind to watch Tommy, right. uh, the movie version of Tommy, because I'm a big fan of the album, but I've never seen the movie. So that's floating around my mind. I have maybe like eight or nine hours of Pete Townsend's audiobook left. So maybe once we're done that, we'll watch Tommy. I could we, be what are you that. thinking? Well, I talked about sort of watching older cinema. Mm-hmm. I'm also about to listen to Mel Brooks' audiobook. Oh, really? So maybe... Once I'm finished that, maybe we can watch like a Mel Brooks film that one of us or both of us haven't seen. Well, I know you like Spaceballs and I know I don't like it as much. I only saw it once. It was when I was pretty young, but I was already a Star Wars fan by that point. And I was like, mm, this is stupid, make fun of Star Wars, my favorite thing. Uh, maybe as an adult, I can see it through a different lens. So uh, maybe. I enjoyed it a lot as a kid. And I might enjoy it as an adult, but it might be through nostalgia goggles. Yeah. So I don't know if I can really give that like a impartial rating, but maybe another one of his films. I'm not sure about that. But what other films does he have other than? Well, he did Blazing Saddles, didn't he? He did. He what else? he's done a ton. Uh, to be or not to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Never heard of it. Oh, really? It is. It's another one of those insane movies. It's about. Like a screwball comedy kind of thing? Yes. It's a screwball comedy about Nazis. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) But like, you know, Mel Brooks is very, very Jewish. Mm -hmm. So it's through kind of that lens. Um, Also, Young Frankenstein. Okay, that I I have seen. Yeah, I, I do really like that. So I would, I would be willing to rewatch that. Maybe we should we should re if we're gonna watch Young Frankenstein, we should watch it back to back with the like original 1930s Boris Karloff Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. That that might be have like a Halloween kind of thing. Yeah. Well, a lot of his films are sort of parodies of genres. Yeah. So like Robin Hood and Tights, it's kind of a parody of. Is that Mel Brooks? Too? Yes. Really? Yeah. Of like action-y movies, whereas Spaceballs is like sci-fi movies, mostly Star Wars, Blazing Saddles is Westerns. Yeah. Um, he... So what you're saying is he doesn't have an original bone in his body. No, he just <laughs> he just takes something that he enjoys and runs with it. So I think that's very creative. I kid, I kid. Yeah. Like he, he has a film making fun of Hitchcock films called High Anxiety. So maybe we could watch a Hitchcock film and then watch a Mel Brooks film. Okay, that's fair. Because yeah. you haven't seen Vertigo. 
Yeah, so I think Vertigo is the main thing it's parodying, so it could be good to see Vertigo and then see High Anxiety. I hated Vertigo. I, well, it, it would be something to talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it's it's one of those films that everyone says is Hitchcock's best. Nope. And so we got to discuss why or why not. Yeah. Like, I thought The Birds was great, but has it aged well? No. But it's fun. The only Hitchcock movies that I've seen, I've seen Vertigo, Psycho, Rear Window, he did North by Northwest, right? Yes. Yeah. And Rear Window still holds up. Psycho yeah. still holds up. So North by Northwest I watched later, but the other three, Vertigo, Psycho, and Rear Window, I watched within probably the same the same week and a half because I watched them in high school as, as part of a film studies program. Sounds awesome. And I loved Psycho, loved Rear Window mm-hmm. a lot. Rear Window is probably my favorite of the three. Yes. Yeah, and I hated Vertigo. And it's not just because of, oh, I saw, we've seen Rope too. We watched Rope Ooh, together. Rope is actually really good. It's not Jimmy Stewart's fault in in <laughs> Vertigo because I've seen Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, and he's good. He's pretty great in that. Yeah. He's pretty good in Rope. Um, yeah. And he is completely insufferable in Vertigo. I won't say, I won't give anything away about the plot, but obviously it's Jimmy Stewart being Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. But- the, the plot was like the main thing. The plot and Jimmy Stewart's acting were the main things that I hate about it. Right. And But again, I've seen Jimmy Stewart and other stuff and he's he's fine. He's tolerable, mm-hmm. but not in Vertigo for some reason. And I just, yeah. the plot enraged me. I just didn't like it. Well, I mean, then we would have a lot to talk about. The thing is, I feel like with some cinema, I, there should be movies that you should see regardless of whether they're good or not. It's just like you need to be aware of them, like Citizen yeah. Kane or something, which we still haven't seen. Yeah, that's still on my radar. But I feel like with Citizen Kane, I think it's considered revolutionary for its time is my understanding. So I think before we watch Citizen Kane, we need to watch like one or two movies that came out the year before Citizen Kane to get a baseline of what movies were at that point to really be able to grasp what it did to mm-hmm. to change movies. Yeah. I, well, I'd assume it's the same with Hitchcock. Like, he was the grandfather of horror. So, our two are modern standards of seeing a lot of really creative and inventive horror, uh, psychological thriller type films. Of course, Hitchcock isn't going to compare to that, like, 1960s era. Right. Well, all that to say, uh, looking forward to having you listen to our next episode where we watch one of whatever many <laughs> movies we just mentioned or maybe none maybe we'll watch school of rock again for the thousandth no. time what's wrong with school of rock hey we've just seen it a lot <laughs> yeah, that's there's a reason i mean well yeah no it's a great film canadian bacon <laughs> maybe. that's your sick day movie yeah. school of rock's my sick day movie yeah well we haven't seen canadian bacon together yeah well we Part haven't of it's in ottawa yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta compare it. Canadian Bacon's your sick day movie. My sick day movies are School of Rock and Talladega Nights, which we haven't. Mm. We also haven't watched in like at least a year, so we should probably throw it on for sure. I would say that Spaceballs was another sick day film for me. Yeah, it was like a movie that I would throw on. So we should do a sick day movies episode. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Because we've watched. I mean, we've watched Talladega, Talladega Nights and School of Rock enough, so maybe we'll do Canadian Bacon and Spaceballs yeah. back to back. Also, and... Wild Wild West was another. Let's one. mention more movies that we may or may not watch. <laughs> that movie has spiders in it. It all ties together. All right, finish your kombucha, and we'll catch you next time. <laughs> okay. All see right. Ya. Bye. <laughs>